The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com We're presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DAN for a special offer when you sign up. That's code DAN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Ben, one of the many reasons that I wanted to talk to you is because it's a special kind of mind bleep to be as excellent as you've been at something for as long as you have been. A decade undefeated, a wrestling champion of the highest order. And perhaps sports fans who are casual sports fans know you being introduced to the mainstream outside of UFC by what happened with Masvidal and then fighting a famous Paul. But I want to talk to you and show the audience how hard it was to be you, the level of skill and will and commitment that it requires to get to the top of the fighting sports because you were an uncommon champion, never lost at wrestling, right? You went Um, like you, you, I mean, when I say never lost, you went a decade where you were dominating wrestling. So I, you know, I went nine years in fighting without losing. Um, Really in in wrestling, it was just my last two years. So I went 87 and 0 my last two years of college. Uh, My first two years, I, I didn't lose a lot, but I was in the NCAA finals both years and lost the same guy my freshman, sophomore year. Uh, and then my last two years, I went undefeated. But then, you know, wrestling is a humbling sport. And that's kind of why I think I dealt with losing later in my life so well is because early in my life, uh, I wasn't good at all. And I said, I want to be good. And so I just kept showing up and competing over and over and over again. And I would just get better and better and better. Um, but even after I went 87 and 0 in my college career, I wanted to make the world team that year. And then 2007 and then 2008, my goal is to make the Olympic team. In 2007, I came up short, right? I lost, uh, I took fifth at the world team trials. And so that's kind of, it's four spots away, right? You gotta be number one. Um, So you're still, you're still one of the most feared grapplers and fifth. The difference between fifth and one is what at that level Uh, of sport? Sometimes, uh, right. So for me, I was able to make up that gap, but sometimes it's kind of like a a lot, right? Um, If you look at some of the number ones we have in America for wrestling right now, the number fives don't stand a chance. Right. So in certain instances, it can definitely be a lot. I mean, that's a high level, but at the high level, sometimes these guys just, they go kind of over and above. Like they're, I don't want to say almost unbeatable, but. But you were. Yeah. Yeah. So in, yeah. And then obviously the next year I made the Olympic team in 2008, uh, I came up a little short at the Olympics. And then after that, I, I decided to make the transition to mixed martial arts because at that point in time, wrestlers weren't making any money. And I knew I wanted to have a family and a career and MMA was kind of. It was just starting to kick off, right? Because we had the MMA started in 93. Then you had the kind of dark year where it was deregulated everywhere. And then Zufa bought it. And then you had Tough. And so it was starting to like, 
that upward trajectory of where it would go. And so that was kind of something I wanted to do. Before we get into why you've written the book and what yeah. you've written in the book, when you say you lost a lot early, yeah. you knew this was the path for you at before 11 years old, right? I've read about yeah. you losing 25% of your body weight yeah. at 11 years old because you were so committed to being good at this. So yeah. when, when do you first remember... This is what I want to do. This is who I uh, am. That's a great question. Um, okay, so, yeah, in fifth grade, I remember I, I really liked baseball, but I said to quit because I wanted to wrestle more because I wanted to be good. I wanted to be better, right? I wasn't having a lot of success. And then obviously I quit and I started getting better. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I was overweight also, and I decided I didn't want that to be the case. So, yeah, I went from 130 pounds to 100 pounds in sixth grade, uh, which, you know, now I look back and like for an 11 year old to make that decision on his own, it wasn't my parents, it was me. It's kind of kind of crazy, right? Um, well, you guys have to be, don't you, to get a little to bit, get to yeah. get, wait, just weight cutting in general. Just yes, the act of choosing weight yeah. cutting is an yeah. insanity. But for for me, okay, so that that weight loss that wasn't weight cutting, right? When I think of weight cutting, it's like what do you do in the couple of days prior to the weigh in to make weight? You know, sweating all the other stuff. For me, that was just I was I was heavier, and I chose a, a healthier lifestyle. Um, and, and I lost a lot of weight, so I went down to 100 pounds. And I didn't get back up to 130 again until till 10th grade. Um, but I quit football in ninth grade because I knew all I wanted to do at that point was wrestle. I just wanted to be really good. And there was not really – it was kind of like hard to wrestle year-round at that point because there wasn't any year-round clubs. Um, so I kind of had to find things and piece it together. And I started getting better. And in the year 2000, I was in, in 10th grade, and I was, I was to the point where I was good at a state level. I was winning state titles. But from a national perspective, I was having success, and I went and saw the Olympic trials in Dallas, and I said, I want to be an Olympian. That's what I want to do. And it was a little bit insane for me to say that at the time, but it was like I really felt that, that was what was What was happen. it about? Was it the energy? What were you feeling energy. there? Yeah, so I saw those guys making the team, and I, you know, you kind of like feel the emotion of what that's like, you know, and then obviously I was able to experience this eight, eight years later, and it's like it's an emotion that's hard to put into words. It's when, when you've put that much time into something, right? And you've been dreaming of it. And then in that one moment, you have that dream come to reality and you're like, oh my God, I've dreamed about this for eight years and it just it just came true. Well, was it love at first sight for you in that, in you walk yes. into that just like that? Yeah, it was, uh, cause I was at the point where I was, I was taking it really seriously. I was starting to get better. And I saw those guys make the Olympic team, and and that's the uh, that was the that's the pinnacle of amateur wrestling, right? Is making a United States Olympic team. Yeah, and I saw those guys make the team. And I said, "Oh my God, that's what I want to do." How introspective have you been about what the roots are that make you seek physical contact? Uh, choosing <laughs> choosing a sport that hurts. Uh, that's funny. Uh, well, all my all my I have I have two girls, and then I have a boy. And all my four year old wants to. All he does is, "Hey, Dad, can we go battle?" All he wants to do is fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you think it's DNA? You I think, think there's something in there. Yeah, I think there is. Because um, yeah, I loved obviously I love football. You know, football is a contact sport. Uh, I loved wrestling. Kind of, you know, from an early age, even when I wasn't good at it, I kind of really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and there's just something about that. You know, I, so all kind of the jujitsu or fighting. I kind of, I kind of just really love those contact sports. But you haven't answered my question about the roots. Like, what the was roots. going on yeah. in your childhood? What? You, no. I mean, you kind of answered my question. Yeah. If you're saying you were just born to do this. Yes. So my son, my son, since age of two, um, he does. He doesn't wrestle. There's, there's he is. Uh, well, he did soccer this fall, but. All he wants to do is battle. And, and, you know, that's like punching, kicking. Obviously, I don't hit him hard, right? But, you know, like he wants to fight. He wants to wrestle. Sometimes it's, you know, he grabs like a, a, like a noodle and it's a weapon, right? And he's got a weapon and he's trying to hit me. But, yeah, he wants to fight. And so I think like 
I, I think the same way. I think it's, you know, battling is fun. I've always kind of enjoyed it. So yeah, I think it's probably, honestly, all right, if you want to go real deep, I think we all have that inside of us. And I think for a lot of people, it's bred out of them by, um, it's kind of illogical thoughts that, you know, pain is bad or losing is bad. And I think, you know, actually I was just reading meditations by Marcus Aurelius, some old school philosophy. And it, wrestling <laughs> some is some gladiator shit. But wrestling is brought up between six and eight times. I mean, it, it is human to wrestle, right? To grab someone and try to throw them on the ground. It's human. So, uh, yeah. And I, and I think from a young age, if you go watch little kids, like, uh, and before they're told not to in school, they will grab each other and try to throw, throw each other on the ground. It's just natural. And you are telling me that it is something innate that either needs to be fed or repressed. And in your case, you fed it. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. my, you know, my dad was kind of good about that. And, um, you know, he wasn't like a wrestler. Like he did kind of all the sports in high school and kind of like wrestling. But, um, yeah, I, th I, I mean, obviously you don't want some kid who goes and beats up all the other weaker kids on the playground. But like, uh, in my son's case, if he wants to battle with someone, like, and they, they both want to go at it, then, then cool, let's battle but a little bit. But if you've thought about this philosophically, if you've yes. thought about mm -hmm. it meditatively, tell me then what your counterculture philosophies are on pain and pain <sighs> yeah. management sure. and running toward fear instead of away from it. Yeah, but pain is nothing. Um, like my daughter got a splinter yesterday when she was climbing a rope and she was so fearful about getting it pulled out. And it's like, it's not going to be a big deal. Just pull it out, you know? But then I was thinking the other day, like... Um, this one kid who was older, he, he got a cut, right? He kind of bumped heads and he was kind of flipping out about it a little bit, you know? And it's like, but I've, I've been there, right? I've had that happen fighting between fighting and wrestling. I don't know, eight times, 10 times. Like if you're actually in the moment, it actually doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. Because right? of the adrenaline? I don't know if it's adrenaline or just like, it just literally doesn't hurt. It just doesn't hurt. I don't know. And so if there's, you know, but there's something that is telling you there's blood coming and you should be emotional about that. And you build, almost build it up to be more than it, than it actually is. Wait a minute. Yes. You say, you basically are saying that over time you have made your body scarred enough that you <laughs> don't feel pain, that pain is not a thing. Oh, uh, well, no, there's, okay, there, there are certain things that are painful, but there's a lot of things that aren't painful that people, they anticipate is going to be, and so they freak out about it before they actually really feel it. Does that make sense or no? Am well, I, I no, crazy? no, no. I, I, you don't sound crazy, but when I've talked to fighters about consequences or warriors yeah. about yes. consequences, what they tend to tell me is I wouldn't be a warrior if I sat around thinking about consequences all the <laughs> time. That's, that's I need, false. I need to be someone who develops an armor so that pain isn't actually a thing, that I can outwill my pain, that I can yeah. be somebody who is stronger than what I believe my mental frailties yeah. are. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, well, pain is just um, it's a point of information for us, right? And there are some points where we should probably say, I probably shouldn't push my body any further and I should probably stop. But then there's other places where we've been there. Um, you know, I think I, th I kind of relate to the first time kids do really, really hard workouts. And so, you know, with our wrestling academy, we don't really push kids when they're younger. So when they get a little older and we start pushing them, there's there's a natural pushback. I feel pain. I feel exhaustion. I don't want to go further, right? But because I've been there hundreds of times, I know we can, we can go a little uh, further, right? So I can't take them from one to 100 in the first workout, but I can take them to three and they're like, oh man, that was hard. And then you go to the next one and you go to the next one, you know? And you've, when you've been through these things so many times, you realize pain is just kind of a, a signal to the brain and you can kind of ignore it and get unemotional about it.
What else did you learn in reading uh, whatever it is that was the wisdom that Marcus yeah. Aurelius had to impart? Um, you know what I thought I you know I kept thinking actually was that if someone would have told you this was a, a modern day philosopher, you probably could have accepted that. And I think that's fascinating because the guy wrote it thousands of years ago. And, you know, the human condition is the human condition, right? We are kind of the same. And everyone likes to think like, oh, this next generation, they're so screwed because of social media or whatever, right? But when you read what he was writing, it's like, wait, human beings are kind of the same. And that was like thousands of years ago. So I think the human condition is the human condition. What can you tell us about the extremes that you will go to in wrestling to, for example, cut weight or yeah. what are the what are the examples you'd give the audience about where the obsession probably goes too far for them, but not for you? Hmm. Interesting. Well, I so I would say and I guess kind of this would tie into the Marcus Aurelius because another thought I had is like, um, you know, there's a lot of people who want things easy, but when you get to somewhere hard, you realize that nothing easy can be that good because if it's that easy, then everyone's going to get it, right? So in order to achieve something great, you're going to have to do something that's hard. And so don't fear that hard thing, accept that the hard thing's going to happen and maybe, maybe even you embrace it, right? And so I think when I was super obsessive about being great at wrestling, um, I was willing to push myself further and harder and just be there every single day. So the consistency of continuing to show up over and over and over again for years on end, you know, the Olympic thing, that was eight years. But and fight everyone off because it's always young yeah. people who are similarly minded who want yeah. your shit. Yeah, but even in, you said building a business, you know, people want it to be easy. They want some get-rich-quick scheme. And it's like, no, if you want to build something great, you have to show up and you have to do the right things day after day after day after day, for years probably, in order to build something that's great. In order to achieve something, you got to keep doing hard things all the time. That's general. How about specific? What are the details? Give me an example of the worst um, weight cut. Because showing up in well, wrestling cut, is yeah. not like me punching a clock and showing yeah. up for you know my job as yeah. a grocery well, store, so I would store say, manager. I would say you know it's funny. Um, so my my high school wrestling coach, he now works with us at Asking Wrestling Academy, um, and it's funny because I think his philosophy on coaching wrestling probably has changed since then. Um, and we still obviously do hard things, but he made us do some extremely hard things. And, you know, I think that kind of hardened the mind. So I think we would wrestle for two hours straight uh, oh live, God. which, you know, now, uh, now we don't, and I, and I don't think it's necessary to make elite level competitors, but we probably don't go over 30 minutes. And so that made us like so grizzled and so tough to what we were going to experience within a six minute match, uh, that we could just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And that, you know, that kind of carried over my fighting is like. Uh, you know, fighting someone for 25 minutes is a long freaking... It's unbelievable. It's so long. It's unbelievable. Yes. People do not understand who are yes. watching you to be elevated at that level oh, yeah. of survival of the fittest, adrenaline intensity, where yes. you are just tapping into something primal. Yeah. People have no idea what kind of shape you have to be to go 25 minutes. And two hours is an insanity. Yeah. It, your coach was crazy. He, he really was at that point. So, uh, But it made us tough. And he made a lot of good wrestlers there. And then, you know, I think like any smart person, he evolved his thought process where we don't need that things all the time, but maybe once in a while to ensure we're that tough. Um, yeah, fighting someone for 25 minutes, I actually like, part of me says they don't need to be 25 minutes long to figure it out. Like a wrestling match, for example, at the, at the world level is six minutes. And uh, some of these foreign dudes who aren't, they're, they're elite, but sometimes they're not in great shape. Like you see them get so tired in six minutes that they're ready to fall over. So then the notion that a fighting contest has to be 25 minutes is kind of like, well, do we really need that long? Or could we shorten it up and maybe 
maybe we'd even get better action because no one can go hard for 25 minutes, you know, and everyone knows that. So they're like, well, okay, well, I need to be as calculated as possible about where I'm using my energy. You know, and I, I describe this to kids because I say certain kids are scared of getting tired in a wrestling match. And I said, you need to accept the fact that you're tired. If I made you do burpees or hang cleans or sprint, you couldn't sprint for six minutes straight. It's impossible. Actually, the, the human body can sprint for four seconds. That's it, you know? So we can achieve maximum output for four seconds. So the notion that we're able to do it for six minutes is, is unfeasible. So you're going to get tired, right? And so like in a 25-minute fight, you really have to know like how to calculate your energy output and where to, where to push hard and where to pull back a little bit. Um, so I actually think kind of if we, if we shorten the fights up a little bit, we would probably have uh, maybe more condensed action because people would go like, okay, I know I don't have to last 25 minutes, so I can go a little harder right now. If I put in front of you some, some alien from another planet yeah. and asked you to explain to that alien how tough you are, uh-huh. What are the examples you would use? Because I, you've got. I think we would just. I think I just try. If, if you really want me, I mean, I don't think I would have to explain that. But I think we would just grab him and we try to battle. <laughs> you just explain it to <laughs> him with your battle. body. Better, better to explain it with your yeah. body than than with your mouth. But the the reason I keep bringing it up, I think you're normal. Yes. The audience listening to this doesn't understand that your normal is abnormal. I don't know what your ears yeah. look like. You're wearing headphones, but if you're a wrestler, yeah, you've got yeah, the cauliflower ears because your ears have been beaten so much that they don't even yes. feel pain at this no, point. Correct? Nothing. Yeah. I could do anything to your ears, and they're uh -huh. so calcified that I would not harm <laughs> you in any way yeah, just because you've been true. taking beatings for your entire yeah, life. Uh -huh. And then when you say like describe uh, in, in language uh, toughness, I think the guys who try to talk about how tough they are really aren't that tough, you know? And the guys who you think are really tough are those guys you've been in a college wrestling room with for five years and they've gone through those things and you've seen the way they've reacted to that insanely hard workout, right? Or you've seen that guy in a fight, like there's no, there's no way someone could describe to you their toughness and it'll be more compelling than you watching them fight and you go, holy shit, like, how's that dude still battling? Like, they've been battling for, you know, four rounds and he's still going at it and his eyes swollen up and, you know, he's got leg kicked a whole bunch of times and he's still moving forward. Like, there's no way you can describe that in language. You just got to see see someone go at it. Well, you have the face of a wrestler. Like, you've got the skull <laughs> yeah. of a wrestler. Like, yeah. I feel like if I hit you, it would hurt my hand. My wife always, with these, uh, the brown, we're on video, but my, the brow line right there, my wife always, she jokes. She said, are people with the brow line like that, are they drawn to wrestling or do you get it from wrestling? When I talk to rock climbers who do that because of the fear of death, because mm -hmm. it's just elevated. There's nothing like it, right? To yeah. go to, to be, to be stripped down to, it's just me and I've got to make a career this way with yep. my body as a challenge do you always look for places where the degree of difficulty is off the charts or is this just unique to your career choice no i think like i said earlier easy things aren't fun <laughs> right easy things aren't fun at all whether it's building business or uh picking a sport i think the things that really give like give you life and maybe maybe it's because i started out this way and now i don't know any other way and i can't live normally um yeah, you, you need to feel that that tension of like, are you going to make it or are you not going to make it? What's your relationship with fear? Fear. Uh, it's it's not a useful emotion. <laughs> well, you know, in primitive life, if we go back to primitive life, uh, fear told us a lot because uh, there was no safety nets on our survival, right? Whether it was uh, a puma trying to attack us or a neighboring tribe or whatever. So maybe fear was more useful. But in my everyday life, there's not really anywhere where I'm going to die, right? 
pretty, it'd be pretty rare in our circumstances in the United States of America that there, there's an actual instance where we could die. And so, um, it's kind of useless. Right. And that's why I said like my, my daughter yesterday with the, the fear, her fear of me taking a sliver out of her hand was completely illogical because the reality was it was going to take one and a half seconds to pull it out. And then, then there wouldn't be any pain at all because the sliver would be gone. Right. So most people, I think they, I think they let fear dictate a little too much. And in our present day circumstances, fear is kind of not all that useful. How has it changed over the years? There must've been a time where fear was present and you didn't realize with awareness that it was useless, that you were just um, afraid. I don't know. Actually, I think from a young age, I just like, <laughs> I just wanted to battle. Oh, you're, so, you're, <laughs> like so, so like your son. So yes, you're saying, so you're know. saying, you're saying from four yes. years old or whatever, yeah. if I win or I lose, it's temporary. I'd yeah. like, I enjoy the spirit of the fight. So I, I don't, I, so I can't, I cannot remember that early in my life. Right. But I do remember, you know, like I, I think probably fourth, fifth, sixth grade and is probably where I start like having a real remembrance. Actually, I talk about in my book, um, tomorrow's coming out. One of the things that drew me to wrestling. There's two instances, one in soccer and one in football. And one in soccer, it was because it was Wisconsin in the fall and it was shitty and it was rainy and cold and the team didn't want to be out there, right? And I'm like, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even good at soccer, but, but I want to win. I'm trying to play soccer here and you guys are all being babies, you know? And then in football, it was the other team was kicking our butt and they were really good. And they, were, they never wanted to concede. They wanted to give up. And it's like, no, I want, I'm trying to freaking play football here. I'm trying to win and you guys are all quitting. You know, I don't want to quit. And so, like, those things drew me to wrestling because I knew in wrestling, like I said earlier, it was me and the other person. And we shake hands and we're going to battle and that's it, you know? And so that really drew me to wrestling, that self-reliance that, like, I didn't have to worry about anyone else. So, you know, I don't really. <laughs> you like not having teammates? Yes. You like not having to rely <laughs> on someone being as yes. willful and crazy yes. as you. You're so responsible. You're, you're responsible for yourself. Yes. You are accountable to only yourself. Yeah. You like the self-sufficiency of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And my son actually, you know, uh, he maybe lacks the necessary fear. Cause sometimes I know like, you know, they, they like to play this game called monster where like I'm the monster. Right. And, and then the him or his friends or him and my daughters are, you know, I'm trying to chase them. And sometimes like when I really scare him, when I, when I jump on, right from me on the corner and right, there's this fight or flight, his friends all run and he's like, ah, he oh, tries he to, he tries right to fight it. me, you know? So, and you like this for him. You like, you oh, see yeah. your, you see that's, the mirror and you love, life. you love that your son has yes. this bit of you in his, yeah, yeah. in his DNA. And what I, I mean, yeah, cause I, th I think that is life when you pick fight or flight, like I said, in current day America, there's, there's not real fear. You know, we don't, we don't have alligators trying to, well, you live in Florida, so maybe you got to worry. Well, alligators, alligators I would, I would and, say a lot of people are getting shot too, but your larger point uh, is right yes, that yes. every time we go out, there's not the greatest of fear yes. of survival of the fittest fight yeah. or flight. Yes. Uh, we're not challenged like that every day. You'd kind of like to be, it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like you would, uh, you like I love th it. that it's not living yeah. unless it's hard. Yeah. So if, uh, if I could, I mean, the one thing I miss most about fighting and, and or mostly competing just in general is like that walk to the cage where, you know, like all of the training's done and you're ready to go fight and the crowd's cheering and you get to go put it all on the line. Like, that's the thing I miss the most. Cause you don't get that. You don't wake up and, you know, I go to my wrestling podcast in the morning and the crowd's like, and you're like, all right, am I going to freaking get this done or am I not going to get this done? Well, there's you know? nothing like it. Every yes. athlete who lives, never mind combat sports. Yeah. At the height of the gladiator spectacle, at the height of the self-sufficiency yeah. that you speak of, there's nothing like fighting. 
Yeah. You'll never be, find anything in life that recreates that. You can jump out of airplanes and everything else. What else would you find that would feel comparable to walking to the octagon? A lot has changed over the years, kind of like who's the best hockey team in Florida? But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Right now, the great debate is if my team will make it past the second round. We can find about this all throughout the series, but there's one thing that's for sure. I'll be yelling at all of you while drinking a nice ice-cold can of Miller Lite. It's my preferred light beer when arguing about sports with other people. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach. B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The book, I should tell the audience, it's a memoir, Funky, My Defiant Path Through the Wild World of Combat Sports. What was defiant about your path? Uh, that I was never willing to just kind of uh, accept the way that things should be. So whether it was, uh, you know, I talk about early in my life, um, I kind of stepped off the beaten path of a wrestler because I had the long hair and I, I did kind of goofy things. And uh, Or in my college career, uh, I created uh, essentially why I got the name Funky was I created a lot of these scramble positions because I, you know, and a lot of it was not just because I wanted to, but it was out of necessity. But a lot of people would say, don't, don't do it that way, right? You can't do it that way. No one's ever done it that way. And I said, no, like, I think there's something here. I'm pretty sure. And I just, I followed my gut on it, you know, and I wanted to be who I wanted to be. Um, you know, all the way to my going to mixed martial arts, which was not a super common path at that point, right? Um, and then even all the way in MMA, um, just kind of continue to be who I am. I think it's huge. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys who get famous and they think they got to act a certain way. But it's like, no, I'm still going to wear sandals. I still love disc golf. And I'm going to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. You know, though, that it's an insane way to <laughs> choose to make money, right? Fighting other but, men yeah, for it's money. Actually, I actually do tell people it's a terrible job. Don't do it. There's only a couple of people I've ever recommended to fight. 
So now one is Corey Anderson, uh, who's having high level success. The other is this uh, younger guy named Jordan Newman. He's four and zero right now. I think he's going to be. He's really good. You he's, just think you look at him and you were born for this. You have well, everything that's needed here. Yeah. So Corey was a national runner up at a local Division three program, and he had a boxing background. And I could. He's loved to work hard, right? And then Jordan, and I only know this because Jordan told me. He said there's, and I always, I, I should have looked this up. There's an animal that's got a small amygdala. And that means they have a little too much anger, right? And um, I think he's got a little too much anger. So I mess with him and tell him he's got a small amygdala. But yeah, he loves to fight. And so it was like, you need to go fight. Because uh, I know if I don't encourage you, you're going to do it anyway. So I'm just going to encourage you and help you the best I can. And you believe your brain chemistry <laughs> makes you so that you're one of these people, right? I, I you might recognize have a small amygdala. It. Well, but you recognize yeah. you're looking in a mirror somewhere yes. when you look at these two people. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you need to follow this yes. path. This is my, this was my calling, too. Yes, absolutely. And you've only met two in your life that are, li that, are that obviously built like you spiritually they yes. gotta go charge it are you built on anger or yours is no, oh i don't have any anger okay so well you don't have any anger because no. you're saying Corey does no no Corey, that was jordan um Someone look up what a small amygdala does for you. Maybe it's lack of fear. Maybe that's what it is. It's just something to that effect. It is unusual yes. to not uh, have any fear, right? Yes. That's not bravado from you. Yeah. You're just saying, at this point, you've done it enough, prepared enough, yes. you like it enough. That yeah. it, and if walking to the octagon is the height of the human experience yeah, in combat sports, be, yeah. uh, you're saying there's nothing to fear there. And even if you did fear, it's useless to fear. Yeah, absolutely. Not helpful. It's useless. Not helpful at all. Uh, worry about the bad things. Whittingham has looked it up here promptly, and he will tell you whether or not you uh -oh. got the brain chemistry right or not. What does a small amygdala do? Uh, the amygdala, amygdala vo volumes might be a surrogate marker for the personality property of aggressiveness in healthy human aggressiveness, beings. Aggressiveness. That's See, I knew I messed not up. Not anger. Aggressiveness. aggressiveness. That's what it was. What the, I knew I was close. Okay, so <laughs> you want a battle, though, is what you're talking about. You want... You, yes. Your life is a little emptier if it doesn't have yes. battles in it. Yeah, I love it. And then you end up Fighting in mixed martial arts for money, what are the scariest parts of that? The doubt that creeps in about have I made the right career choice financially for my family yeah. because of how hard it is to fight yeah. other people for money and how shitty Dana White and others are about paying their fighters and yeah. taking care of their fighters. Yeah. Uh no, I don't think I, I don't think I ever had those doubts or any, you know anything. I I so I obviously I started mixed martial arts and I won the Bellator title 18 months after I stepped in a gym. Um, so, you know, I had relatively quick success. And but knew you, you would? Uh, I, I thought I would for sure. Yeah. I mean, just, just kind of, I had trained with some other guys who were, who were pretty good at that time. And, uh, just, just, it kind of felt like I would. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously the Dana thing and I, I hold no grudges or bitterness. Bitterness is also a useless emotion, I think. But yeah, I mean, 2013 when I when I left Bellator, I was 12 and 0 and ranked like six in the world, and Dana wouldn't sign me. That kind of sucked. Um, but I don't I don't think I felt fear around that. I felt frustration would be you know uh, maybe a tiny bit of anger, but probably not too much. It was just like, why in the hell is this not happening? And I I still don't have an answer to that to this day. What are the other useless emotions <laughs> in your regard? There's in a lot of them. Uh, bitterness is is worthless because it affects you more than the person you're you're bitter to. Envy is another one that's really bad. Jealousy, uh, fear. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of those kind of like I that I think. Uh, well, I don't know what purpose those would have served historically, right? Uh, fear is an obvious uh, if you go far enough back. But yeah, a lot of those other ones are they're just not good for you.
But you mentioned you're never angry, so you haven't. You're, you're, you've mentioned you don't fight angry. I don't like no, because fighting angry, I think, um, I think that often leads to bad decision making. So yeah, so I try, I try to fight. I try to fight the same way. You know, with, with everything, you try to fight the same way you train. Because if you train it a certain way every day, and then you try to fight a different way, it's like, well, that's different, and you should make it different. You should try to, you should try to perform at the highest levels possible as frequently as possible when you're in the gym. Why do you think, if you had to give one reason above all others, that you were such an exceptional fighter? I, I, I hate having to choose one. You're putting me in a tough spot here. Well, we can, I would say, we can no, go it's through a few, and then I'll okay. pick one, and we can we, we, we can <laughs> we, we can parse it if you want. But I'm just yeah. I I want you to tell okay. me what you think made you special. Well, I'll give you two. I'll give you so I'll try to narrow it down to two. Number one would be consistency, right? So for a period of almost 20 years, um, I didn't miss practices. I mean, so I literally, I, I got the award every year in high school. I never missed one day of practice. I was never late one day. I didn't miss a day of practice in college. Like I just didn't miss days of practice ever. Uh, I think that that's pretty exceptional. I mean, there's probably other, other people. And then for, for me specifically, um, having the ability to use my intellect in a, in a sport that most don't consider intellectual, right? So in wrestling, I kind of created my own style. And even in mixed martial arts, um, I think I came in with the notion that on the ground, you're fighting jujitsu. Um, and that made me kind of ineffective in my earlier years on the, or not as effective as I should have been. And then I, I used the folk style wrestling paired with the jujitsu, paired with the striking. And when I was able to put those together in a style that worked for me, I think I became, so I would say using my intellect along with my consistency. You pride yourself on being a sculptor, a craftsman, yes. somebody who respects the art in mixed martial arts. Yes. Someone who's able to lo look at something and say, okay, how does this puzzle go together? How, am, how can I be most effective with this? Not just, you know, I guess the people I look down on and maybe I, maybe I shouldn't, but it's like in wrestling, hard work is like, that's at the, the top of the mountain, you know? But I think for me, that should be an obvious. And so there's these certain guys who they want to run through this wall so bad. And they're like, hey, there's a door right there. Like just <laughs> open the damn door, you know, like, let's go. I don't know if you can be more willful than other wrestlers. Obviously, yeah. you're talking about perfect attendance, and that is yeah. exceptionally willful. But your sport is filled with the willful, yes. correct? Like, yeah, you're not fighting a lot of guys who have a lot of surrender in them. There's a few. I mean, there's a few. Yeah, I mean, it, it is few and far between who make it to the high levels of either mixed martial arts or wrestling on skill, skill alone, right? And they don't get tested. And then when they do get tested, when they meet someone who's equally as skillful, they fold a little bit. But usually, yes, those those type of people are generally weeded out before they get to the top. What would you regard, just as I try to take the audience through some of the extremes of wrestling that you yeah. probably don't think are extreme <laughs> because you've lived them for so long? You're cutting the worst of weight. Put yes. us there. The worst of weight. Yeah. The worst of the experience. Okay. So um, the weight cutting, you come back to this a few times. I always recommend, we coach kids, I recommend the high school kids don't cut weight at all, really. Um, right? They have to make weight 20 times over the course of a high school season. So I think weight cutting and high school wrestling, like it's, it's out. You shouldn't be doing it. Um, you should be lean, healthy, and wrestling wherever you're at. Now, for fighting, it's different. Number one, you're an adult. Number two, you only have to make weight somewhere between three and four times a year, maybe five max. Uh, and then additionally, it's a day before, which is important because high school is the, the, an hour before. So you make weight, and an hour later, your competition starts. 
Well, let's see. The worst one for me, or the worst one for me ever was when I violated my own rule. So I have this rule where once I get five pounds or closer to weight, I will not stop sweating until I make the weight. Okay, because sweat, getting your sweat started generally is like a really, really hard part of the battle. So when I was in Dubai, it was when I won the one championship title in 2014. Um, I stopped when I was one pound over. I just was feeling like crap, and I and I caved. I was too weak. I just caved. You know, I'm like, All right, I need a little break. So I gave myself a break, and I could not get that damn last pound off. I mean, it it took me probably 90 minutes. You know, and it was it was almost to the point where I think I quit at like maybe point two, and I'm like, all right, I hope the scale's lighter, you know? And then uh, I went over to the official scale, not the scale I had, and it wasn't, it was the same, you know, which I should have known like a dumbass. <laughs> um, and so then I had to go back outside, and it was, we're in Dubai, and it's 115 degrees, and I'm like, got plastics on, and I'm just trying, like, I couldn't run. It was like a, a shuffle. And luckily, I, you know, I sweated the last point two off. So, cause I've never ever missed weight in my whole life in all of wrestling fighting, never miss weight. That goes with that consistency point I made earlier. What do you regard then as the toughest of the tough when it comes to the things that are hardest to do to get yourself right so that you can be in championship fighting condition? Hmm. Because I'm trying to give, you yeah. You have to understand, Ben, you're yeah. built differently than yeah. the people listening to sure. this. Uh -huh. And I, and so it's common to you to just wrap yourself in garbage bags and plastics, <laughs> and and even though you're probably four or five percent body fat, yeah. you're to still cut weight because yeah. you must because you're weakened and you can't even you're putting water yeah. in your mouth to just swirl it around and then yes, spit it out. Yeah. You can't drink it. Yeah, I don't, and, and I'm just doing weight cutting as an example. If you've got a yeah. better one, feel free. But I want people to understand how obsessive you have to be to be as great as you were. Yeah. No, I think, well, I think, uh, no, I think the tougher thing would be just that, um, the, the day in and day out grind of whether it's wrestling or fighting or, you know, I mean, there's obviously other sports that are hard also, but these there are, are days people don't want to go to work. Yes, absolutely. To show up. Well, the thing, the, the example I was use with like a college wrestling team, for example, if you're on a, say, a college football team and you're not the guy, right? They're like, all right, you like go, well, go on the sideline and watch these guys take some reps and maybe we'll give you a few reps later. Like you're not the guy, go sit over there, you know? And in college wrestling, and this is where I really struggled my redshirt year, is like, if you're not the guy, no, you're the guy that's getting beat up by the guy. Who's the real guy? You know, he's rubbing your face in the mat every, every single day. And so that that toll, right, the, the desire or the ability to show back up every single day and know, like, you're probably going to get your ass kicked a little bit and then come back the next day. And then come back the next day and just keep keep trying, keep striving to be better than you were the day before. You know, because for me, uh, I actually told the story this morning, um, my, my retro year. So by the end of high school, I achieved a relatively high level of success in high school. And I went to college and I was getting my ass kicked like every single day. And I was like, dude, this sucks. Like, am I, am I, can I really actually be good at this? Like, I'm getting my ass kicked every day. I don't know if I can actually be good at this. And, you know, that that's a... It's like all fall. And then I go to competitions and I'm not having that much success compared to where I, I want to be. And it didn't finally click for me until I went home from high school or sorry, high, college to my high school team and my high school coach who I'd been really competitive with in, in, you know, when I left for college and all of a sudden it wasn't competitive anymore. It was like, Oh wait, I actually got better. Right. I actually got a lot better. And you see a lot of kids go to college though. And they take that everyday ass kicking and they're like, this isn't for me. I quit, right? Because they were they were used to being the star of their high school team, and now they go to a, a Division One program, and there's thirty or forty really high level wrestlers in the room, and 
you know, they might be getting their ass kicked every day. Or uh, certainly some of the days. Maybe not every single day, but a decent amount of days they're getting beat up. And it's like, can can they mentally handle that? And can they keep showing up every single day and just keep getting a little bit better and a little bit better? And at some point, boom, it clicks and they get way better. You mentioned handling losing well or having mm -hmm. perspective about losing. How were the minutes, the days, the weeks after Masvidal where you lose yeah. in five seconds, you have a plan that can happen to anybody. Yeah. You get caught perfectly, and he owes you a finder's fee because you made him a star <laughs> unlike any that we've yeah. seen in the sport. His yeah. journey and his story are not common where he's a yeah. journeyman, but he got you in in that sport. Yeah. Anybody can get you once on yeah. a moment's notice. It could happen to anybody. Yeah, agreed. Well, the I mean, the moments, I, I don't remember the few moments afterwards. I, I say I woke up in the hospital, or and woke up is not the right term because I was awake the whole time, but uh, my consciousness clicks back in. Uh, I saw Luke Rockhold, and I saw I said, oh, fuck, I'm in, I'm in the hospital because Luke Rockhold got knocked out, you know? I'm like, oh, damn, that's not good, you know? And then my wife comes over, and I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? And um, But then it was like, hey, uh, I was getting paid to go to an after party, so goddamn it, I was going to go to the after party because that's what I told him I was going to do because I'm consistent, you know. And then, uh, you know, I went and had lunch with all my friends that came to see me the next day. And then, you know what? I'm going back to work on Monday, uh, and I'm going to go coach wrestling, right? Because that, that's what I do. So, um, you know, I think that like I, the phrase I use, I might need to trademark this, but not tying your ego to the outcome. Like, especially in fighting, fighting's crazy. Like anything can happen. So the notion that you're going to show up. Um, and the, the outcome is guaranteed, that's ridiculous. And so you shouldn't tie yourself, right, or your ego to the outcome of the contest. You're the same person showing up as you are when you leave. Well, there's great wisdom in that philosophically. Yeah. It's just hard sometimes to get the mind to get that message to your heart. Well, I th and I think, a lot, well, I think a lot of fighters specifically, and these are the people I know the best, right? They tie how the crowd or how fans feel about them to their own ego. And anytime you do that, it's bad, right? Because the fans are gonna go like this, right? You do something good, oh my God, you're so amazing, you're the greatest, you do something bad, you suck, you're an idiot, you do something good, you're great again, you know? And it's just gonna be this wild roller coaster of emotions. So just tying yourself to like, you know what? I work hard, uh, I do good things, I have a family that loves me, and I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna try to fight this dude. Hopefully it goes really well for me, but there's obviously a chance that it doesn't go well for me. And you know what? When it's over, I'm going to go back to regular life, and I'm going to go coach practice on Monday because that's what I want to do and move on. Were you able to avoid all the video of it when you no. say you woke up? No. When you you because you woke up a good you you didn't wake up, but yeah. you were yeah. you were groggy, like, right? Like, you don't your memory was shot for yeah. a um, good amount I, of time. Maybe an it, hour, two hours. I don't I don't, yeah, I don't know the exact period of time. Um, no, you can't. I mean, I still I still can't avoid it. I mean, I'll get off this podcast i'll scroll through twitter and it'll probably be two people <laughs> right uh, it's such a shitty thing though ben because that's you're that's so humans. great though but that's humans you are but you're such a great fighter to yeah. have that to, <laughs> to put in that it's it is the universe cosmically yeah. being funny and making sure <laughs> that you don't tie your ego to the result yeah. no that's i feel i feel like that's so uh that's just how humans are you know they they want to say things and obviously uh, I'm sure there's uh, thousands of people who respect me and they love me. And there's probably a whole bunch that think like, oh, you got knocked out. You suck. And, you know, there's a lot of it is jealousy and envy that they just want to try to make me 
feel bad about myself because that happened. But it's like, no, I'm not going to feel bad about myself. I uh, I generally like myself. I try to make good decisions in life. I have a family that loves me. I got a lot of kids who want to be coached by me, and I try to do right by them. How so, how long did it take to come by that perspective? Like, did you um, were you able in the? You said you had an after party, and I'm going to yeah, show up because I yeah, got a contract yeah, to show up. Yeah. And if anything, Ben Askren's going to do, his <laughs> ass is going to show yes. up. Like, uh, I'm going to show up. Um, y- you yeah. uh, were able because that is a there is profound wisdom if, in what you're saying yeah. if you can achieve it. A Zen, yeah. a Zen spirituality in yeah. the look. I've done a lot of winning. Human beings are going to lose. Fighters are going to lose. I'm not going to absorb it as part of my ego. I reject it. I know who I am, and it will not be distorted by somebody who likes to laugh or howl at me. Yeah, Uh, I don't know where I originally came up. You know, came upon thinking that way. But uh, my wife thinks it's because I'm partly autistic, and I think there's a possibility in that. But I think it was just because, yeah, I wasn't that good early, and like I said, I just, I just, I knew if I kept showing up. I was going to take some losses, but I was going to get better. And that was all I was worried about was just, I just want to get better. I just want to get better. And so I just kept showing up over and over and over again. I mean, in, I mean, in those years, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, I'm probably taking you know, 20, 25 losses a year. So it's not like a big deal. It's like, okay, I lost. What happened? How did I lose? What do I need to get better at? And then just, just that. And just like knowing that I'm just going to continue to progress over the course of time. Um, so I think probably it relates back to that a lot. Well, mistakes are just learning in disguise, right? Fa- yes, failure absolutely. is only learning in disguise. Yes. If, if you can take it as that, but some people can't, right? Some people take it, they take it too much to the heart. They take it as who they are, not something that happened to them. Did the fight against Jake Paul pay you a lot more than your excellence did? Yeah. Well, I don't know how much excellence pays me. Um, it paid me pretty well, but that one is this like, um, uh, they asked me to fight, and it's like, I don't know, I, I kind of like fighting. Like, you know, I, I, I relate it back to um, when I was in high school, and sometimes me and my friends didn't have anything to do on Friday night. I had some boxing gloves at my house, and so we'd all come over and be like, all right, who's fighting who tonight? <laughs> you know, like, you fight you, and I'll fight him, and this guy fights that guy. And it was like, I don't know, that's like, it's kind of fun, you know? And so now they're going to pay me a whole bunch of money to do that. Like, uh, sure, okay, whatever. So you just, it's just something that you find yourself doing. Did you find yourself, are there many people over the last 15 years who have tried you outside of the octagon? No, I've do you never fi- gotten a fight. Zero. <laughs> I think they just look at my face and they're like, I don't really want to fight that guy or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> my hand would hurt if I hit him. Plus, <laughs> I don't get angry, so yeah. What is your wife seeing or feeling when she's telling you that you might be autistic like what is it oh, what is presenting itself uh pattern recognition specified interests bad in social social scenarios with people who do not have shared interests with me uh there's kind of a whole bunch of them so like one time she showed me this list I'm like, oh, i kind of agree with you <laughs> You're interested in the things you're interested in. And as long as those people who are talking to you, those are going to be your connection points. Most of your friends are probably fighters. Yes. And uh, like like this conversation has been very deep, for example. You just went at and started going at it. And I like, I love that. Like, I hate small talk, for example. I can't do it. Like, I just, I I, like, I got to get out of there. Someone starts talking about like, what the cost of something is at the grocery store. I'm like, I can't be here. I got to get out of here. Like, I need to talk about something like really important and deep or something I'm interested in. Are you restless if yes. not faced with those things? Like if not faced with the handful of things that you yeah. want in your life, you get impatient? Yes. Very. And I'm very highly impatient. Yes. 
and your other fighter friends, you find that they're built similarly to you. It's easy to find connection points because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most wrestlers are, yeah. And then, you know, obviously it's how I grew up, right? So I grew up, I was on a high school wrestling team. I was on a college wrestling team. A lot of those guys are still my best friends to this day. Then I joined a fighting team, right? Sim similar people. And now I coach wrestling. So, you know, uh, but it's just those uh, other social scenarios when I get put in them. I'm like, oh, I really struggle. I don't uh, mean this pejoratively. I mean abnormal. The word abnormal as not normal. And you could counter <laughs> with what's normal. But uh, yeah. I have found in my experience that people who choose fighting yeah. are not your normal breed of people, sure. period. Yeah. I mean, but you, yeah, so the other counter to that too would be like, uh, and you, you've, I think you've said this a few times in this conversation, is like once you've experienced that, then it's kind of it's so heightened that it's like everything else feels a little like below that, you know, and and it, you have a hard time relating to that. I would imagine that everything below that feels a little dead, and I, I imagine that everything below that can feel a little depressive, right? Because yeah. it is it is as close. I would imagine. I'm speaking for you here. Yeah. yeah. To what heaven on earth would be to you, the, med <laughs> the, the, the meditative plane that you reach where yeah. you have put all your will, yeah. effort, and dreams into something, you're maximizing yes. the challenge, and now you got to go fight another person yeah. who's doing the same thing. Yeah, no, I mean, no, you're not wrong at all. Like, I actually get really excited when I actually get to really wrestle someone now. Like, I know I coach at a wrestling camp, and most of the kids I work with are high school, even, and even if they're good, um, I can't just beat their ass, right? Because that's not good coaching. And so it's only a few times a year where one of the guys I've coached who's now in college, they come back and we can just shake hands and we can just do battle. Like that doesn't happen a lot to me. So, but yeah, yes, like those, uh, that, that is highly enjoyable. What are the wisdoms that you want people to get from your book? Why did you write it? Yeah. Um, okay. So I wrote it cause it was, uh, cause I am restless and it was during Corona and I needed something to do. So I hit up, um, with a MMA writer who I enjoyed the most, who wrote a couple good articles about me. I said, Hey, you want to write a book? Um, so one, I think it's it's fun and it's entertaining, and we kind of go through my wrestling career, MMA. But if, if I if I had to kind of like go through what made me able to do the things I was able to do, having delusional dreams, um, I think it's important. I think a lot of people are scared to dream that way. But like when I said I wanted to go to the Olympics at 15, dude, I wasn't good. Like I was not good on a national level, and so to be the notion that I'm going to be better than everybody, it's like that. You know, if if I would hear someone who is at my similar skill will say that, even if I coach them and I really like them, I wouldn't say, ha-ha, good luck, buddy, but I might think it. I might think that, you know? Um, would you think you're an idiot? Like what? Uh, I would think, I would probably think like, no, I, I would think good luck. Like uh, I would maybe think like they're naive, like they don't realize how far away they are or how far, far behind other people they are, which I mean, I probably think I was probably naive when I thought. Well, the reason I say idiot is because I'm just saying, do you not know how hard this is? It, yeah, do you sure, not that, know? Uh, do you or do you not understand? Do you not have any self-awareness of <laughs> you're not good enough and the line yeah. of people in front of you yeah. is going to be very difficult to overcome yeah. to be best in the world or yes. best in the country? Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that would definitely be one. Number two would in be- In that sport, Ben. In that sport, <laughs> in that sport we're filled with lunatic fighters. You yes. Know, like who are exceptional and willful yeah. as well. To be more willful than the most willful of all the people walking earth. Especially when you're behind them already. Like, you know, kind of a few steps, many steps behind them. Yeah. So you want to teach the audience, dream delusionally. It's okay. Yes, it's okay. Well, I actually had this, real, I had this really good debate. Uh, you know, I have a- so I, I, 
teach high school kids, coach them. Um, and I do these Mental Monday segments where we talk about mental component. And we had this really, it was good, healthy discussion, but it was like, can, can you set goals that are too high? And we had this debate about it. And, you know, my take is that no, because really high goals drive action, right? Your thoughts drive your actions. And if your goals are too low, like if you set a goal to be just as good as you are today, like, well, I don't need to do anything. I'm already this good, you know, or even below. What if my goals are below where I'm at today? Like, well, I literally, I could get worse and still go achieve this goal. So I need goals that like drive me. And yeah, I mean, like I'll say, I, I want to be a four-time NCAA champion and I want to be an Olympic gold medalist. And you know what? I came up short on those two, but I got to be a two-time NCAA champion, which most people say is pretty good. And I went to the Olympics, which most people say is pretty good. You know, so it's like, can you set your goals too high? And I, I think the answer to, the, to that is no. You know, th their pushback was, you'll come up short. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, you got to accept that that's part of the thing. That's living sometimes. Yeah, that's living. And sometimes you can also be a two-time champion. Yeah. Sometimes you could go a decade in the fighting sports yeah. without losing. What does your wife find most annoying about the wrestling parts uh, of your personality? Uh, I grab her all the time. I'm trying to wrestle her. She's like, I don't want to wrestle. You want to battle. Uh, yeah, I want to battle. <laughs> so so luckily, Ozzy's getting old enough where I can kind of really grab him. My, 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 my nine-year-old girl, she likes to wrestle, so she's, she's pretty combative also. Uh, I think those, she would say... Uh, I'm so impatient though, because I just want to go, 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 and uh, sometimes that can I can wear on her a little bit. Ben, pleasure talking to yeah. you again. The name of the book, Funky: My Defiant Path Through the Wild World of Combat Sports. Give him one story that you said it was entertaining. You said the wild world of combat sports. You have a lot of good stories. Yes. You must have encountered all sorts of unusual oh, personalities. Man. Oh, can I? Well, I, can I tell you a story that's not in the book? I told the other day, and it was, I forgot how funny it was. Tyrone Willie came up. Uh, we had homecoming at Mizzou, and. Uh, the coach there has been there 25 years. And he was our coach also. When he was our coach, he was super young. He had just started. And so I was trying to make all the athletes on the team feel grateful at how at how nice he was compared to what he was then. Coach Smith, hope, don't get too mad at me. Um, he's actually a Fort Lauderdale guy, so right down, right down by here. Okay, so this one Friday. So in preseason, it was torture. Mondays, we had seven-mile runs. And, and then Wednesday, they would torture us in the stadium. And then we did lifting and wrestling also. What right? is torture in the stadium? Uh, the take sta the stadiums were the worst. Ah, uh, you had to run up to the top seven times, then seven sprints halfway, then body carries, then wheelbarrows, then jumps. It was it was just it was terrible. It was awful. Was For it. you to be saying that makes it uh, a special it, kind little, of awful. Literally the worst thing ever. The most torturous thing ever in my career, for sure. That's probably the worst. You said weight cutting. I would choose I would choose weight cutting over stadiums. <laughs> I think they were torture. Okay, so this one Friday. This one Friday. Usually on Fridays, that was like our cool day. We would lift weights, and after lifting weights, we would go get to play this like version of football on this like on the football field, right? And so it was kind of fun. You know, we still worked hard, but it was kind of fun. So it's one Friday, it's raining, and you see he's in this kind of mood, and he goes, "All right, we lift it," and he goes, "All right, everyone to the wrestling room now." And we're like, "Oh shit!" So he goes, he could get up there, and he goes, "We're not leaving until somebody quits." Oh, and he starts no. he starts making us do this really, really hard workout, right? And we're working and we're working. And so everyone's like, oh, man, who's going to quit first? And Nobody like, wants to be the Every, first one. No one wants to be the first one, right? And then so we work out for a while. And all of a sudden, this dude's like, all right, I quit. <laughs> and so everyone's like, yes, he quit. And Coach goes, 
He was going to quit anyways. We're still going. <laughs> so we, we had to keep going until someone else quit. Oh, just that line of like, he was going to quit anyways. And we're all like, oh, This no. is terrible. The, you break people. That's You laugh. You laugh at torture. He laughs in the face of torture. Check out his book. So funny. Funky, My Defiant Path Through the Wild World of Combat Sports. Ben, good talking to you. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Appreciate it. A lot has changed over the years, kind of like who's the best hockey team in Florida. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Right now, the great debate is if my team will make it past the second round. We can find about this all throughout the series, but there's one thing that's for sure. I'll be yelling at all of you while drinking a nice ice cold can of Miller Lite. It's my preferred light beer when arguing about sports with other people. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com Beach, B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.